Hi, this is Colleen McGee bringing you the 23rd episode of Fort Riley's podcast. Today, we're talking to Hadassah Baker about National Energy Action Month, and we're going to find out some things that'll save you and the government some money. Hadassah Baker, I am a general engineer with DPW uh, Utilities and Energy Branch. So October is National Energy Action Month. And uh, basically, um, this is the time of the year uh, we especially um, try to raise awareness about our energy use, our energy efficiency, resilience. We as a community collectively uh, can do and are doing to save our energy uh, cost and reduce waste. So this is the time of the year, you said, that we start taking stock of the cost of energy. It's a good time because we're transitioning in the way we use some of our energy around this time of year. Yeah, that is true. I guess after the fourth season, we go to the, the winter, which is the heating season. We use more natural gas for heating. Yeah, but just basically also towards this time, towards the end of this the fiscal year, we kind of, you know, uh, we analyze the data we have, how much uh, uh, do we spend on our utilities cost for FY20, what was our consumption, uh, electricity, natural gas, propane, and then we compare it to previous year's consumption um, to see how we're doing. What do you think for the Army is the biggest energy cost? So the Army is the largest federal electricity consumer. The Army's total utility bill in FY19, for example, was 101, $1.1 billion. The electricity, I mean, are mainly used like for uh, facilities and uh, um, and uh, for our grids and other t- things. But that $1.1 billion uh, also includes like fuel, uh, other type of fuels that are used for, you know, um, uh, jet fuels and other type of things. But as far as electricity, uh, the Army is the largest uh, federal electricity consumer. 1.1 billion is a big number. And it's hard to wrap your mind around the idea that you and I, as normal people working in our office, can have some positive impact on that in that huge bucket of a number. Oh, yes. Yeah, I definitely understand it. But that, that's a very large number. Fort Raleigh's bill, it's a smaller number, but still large, um, still compared to our own personal bills, still large. So Fort Raleigh's energy bill for FY19 was uh, 17 million, was 17.2 million. And uh, that is for electricity and natural gas. So that in comparison to 1.1 billion is much less, but uh, that still is a significant number. And the nice thing about it is something that we can uh, reduce through efforts in energy conservation type projects and also even through responsible use of our energy and water resources. So tell me what you think might be the the easiest way that we could conserve energy in our facilities. So as far as what we call a low-cost, no-cost energy-saving measure uh, would be 
just our own action and awareness of our energy use. For example, turning off lights and equipment that we're not using. That is an instant saving right there if, if we adopt that behavior and practice it all the time. Uh, another way would be uh, maybe in our homes or maybe even now in our uh, offices uh, where we don't have scheduled temperature setting, just not conditioning a space that is not being occupied. So we, we may have um, conditioned space, but when we leave, uh, if we're able to, we can set it to a setback temperature or set it to a higher temperature uh, to where when we're away for an extended period of time, the space is not being conditioned because that does consume uh, energy and costs money to do that and also will basically uh, add additional wear and tear on our equipment. We're talking about the cost, not just in saving energy by flipping the switch or lowering or raising the temperature. Yes. So definitely... um, Depending on how intensively your heating and air conditioning equipment is working, the life of the equipment would be affected. Uh, what I mean by that is if the outside temperature is like 95 degrees and you have your HVAC equipment turned on and you have the thermostat say 265 degrees, that compared to, suppose you leave the space and you don't need to condition it, you set it back to 80 degrees. The way it works at 65 degrees is a whole lot more intense than it is at 80 degrees. You find maybe running at 100% as opposed to 50%. That will add more wear and tear on your equipment, causing you causing it to break at times, or making it more frequent on when you need maintenance on your units. Just basically uh, being conscious of when not conditioning a space that's not being occupied, or having a a set point temperature based on, you know, army authorized based set point temperature, for example, uh, on for occupied space and unoccupied, and, and just following those guidelines will help not only with our energy savings, but also with the, our maintenance cost to keep, it, to keep our HVAC system maintained. We have a theme this year, right, for our energy awareness? The theme this year is energy resiliency gives us the power to win. So the focus, not only for this year's, but even for the past few years, has been energy resiliency. Uh, basically, energy re- resiliency uh, refers to the ability to prepare for and recover from energy disruptions that impact uh, our mission assurance. Uh, so basically, this could be disruptions to our grid system. This could be man-made, act of nature, but... Uh, we want to be prepared and have the necessary energy and water resources to overcome and be resilient in case of any type of outages. To achieve our energy resiliency goals, our Fort Raleigh installation uh, completed the installation energy and water plan uh, in FY20, where critical mission facilities and infrastructure were identified, and we identified also the course of action that would be required in order to provide the necessary energy and water for a minimum, a minimum of 14 days to these critical mission facilities. What goes hand-in-hand hand with energy resiliency is energy efficiency. 
basically knowing what our energy need is, water and electricity, natural gas, and being prepared to provide it in any contingency. So you're looking at the the capacity that's needed on a day-to-day basis and trying to make sure um, that we're really smart with that and then that we have some room in our system for overcoming those disruptions or an increased need due to mission. Yes, and it also is basically having a, you know, for example, backup generators for mission, critical mission type facilities or one of the projects that's at a conceptual level right now. It's an uh, F1, uh, it's an extra project uh, for FY23 would be to have a centralized backup generator Basically, what that would do, and it would be that generator would be also connected with microgrid to our critical mission facilities in those in that area. And should the power we should have outage or if the grid fails, then uh, these facilities will still be powered from the centralized generator. The the nice thing about this project is that. And the the plan of this project is not only to provide resiliency, which is really important and the big focus, it also will save us on our energy cost. We'll use it for peak sharing or to reduce our demand during the summertime when our electric demand is at its peak. We'll use it to shave our peak. Um, Double benefit from the point of saving us us cost as well as uh, providing us the resiliency uh, that we need. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you've learned a tip or two. And don't forget, turn out the light.